no, 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 and no. That's John the Baptist in a nutshell. We think about him out there telling everyone to repent. And there is no question that, at least when I think about repentance, and my guess is probably when you do, you hear a lot of no's, the things you need to give up, the things you need to stop doing, the things you shouldn't have done in the first place. Lots of no's. But the no's we really hear today start with those questions from the religious leaders who have come out from Jerusalem into the wilderness. John already knows they're going to ask him if he's the Messiah, and he's ready for that one, no. But then, what about Elijah? Nope. What about the prophet? Nope. No, and no, and no again. The truth is, the authorities are out there because they want to peg him. They want to come up with some claim he's making that they can quickly and easily dismiss. And John is not willing to give them that particular gift. But there's something more than that going on, something that really is key to John talking about repentance and John refusing to take on any of those titles. Because what John knows, what John believes fervently, and what he actually says in another gospel is that I must decrease so that he, Jesus, can increase. John is all about diminishing himself. And that's really actually what repentance is also about. It's about diminishing ourselves, not in the sense of putting ourselves down, but in terms of letting go of those things which keep us from Jesus and which keep people from seeing Jesus in us. At the top of that list, for most of us, is our own ego. Particularly that's true in the culture in which we live, where a lot of what we're taught to do is to say, look at me, look what I've done, look at what I've accomplished. To repent is to push that aside to allow ourselves in some ways that feel deeply strange to be diminished. That's always been the case for those who want to follow Jesus. And when you think about saints, saints are those people, some of whom have some pretty interesting personalities of their own, but all of whom actually, not just some of whom, have put aside all that they can so that when you see those saints, you don't see them, you see Jesus. And that's the point. Interestingly though, John does claim one image for himself, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And that makes sense when you think about it because frankly, if you cast aside the values of this world, you are going to feel like you are alone, because you will be some of the time, and that you are crying out in the wilderness. That's what happens when we say no to all the values of this world. 
But when Christ takes over, something else happens. We see it first with John, and then we see it really clearly with Jesus. When we talk about John in church, especially during Advent, we always see him in the wilderness. But very soon after, after he'd baptized all those people, he's back in the city. He's back in Jerusalem. He's back in the midst of that very culture against which he has preached. And so pretty quickly, he comes to the attention of King Herod. And if you know the story, you know that doesn't end well. It ends with Herod asking him questions, John not providing the answers or the submission that Herod wants, and John losing his head because Herod takes it. When you let Christ in, you start challenging the ways of the world. Once Christ fills us, we have to challenge the ways of the world. And the reason it's so important for us to hear John laying claim as the voice of one crying in the wilderness is it's laying claim to Isaiah. And what does Isaiah say? Proclaim good news to the oppressed. Release the captives. Bind up the brokenhearted. And Jesus is baptized in that wilderness. And when he starts his ministry, it's exactly those words from the prophet Isaiah that he claims as the frame for his entire ministry. And just like John, it will get a lot of people to gather around him, and then it will get a lot of people really angry with him. We are meant to take on this diminishment, but not so that we will be miserable, but instead so that we can join Jesus in doing the work of Jesus to set this world free. Not so that we will spend our time in sackcloth and ashes, but so in the end, we will from God receive that garland. Jesus and the Father to whom he points want nothing more than what we actually want, but nothing less, and that's a new heaven and a new earth. If we're going to get there, we're going to need to learn to say no, to say no, and no, and no, and no, so that ultimately we can say yes, yes to God, and join in the work of justice and mercy, righteousness and peace. Amen.